Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Christian Conversations. My name is Mike, and this is the program that draws on weekly doses of biblical conversation, the goal of which is to prepare the believer to take their faith and make an impact in their real world, to help you become equipped, to help you become engaged in your faith, and to, ah, yes, give you something edifying to converse about. So today we're talking about triumphant unanswered prayers, conversation and engagement with non-believers, so how to speak with an unbeliever. And we got a really cool resource for you this week, and it is time-sensitive, so I apologize in advance if uh, the time occurrence has lapsed, depending on when you listen to this or, or, or so forth. So triumphant unanswered prayers. Uh, one of the most important conversations unbelievers need to have or, or need to remember is that unanswered prayers is very much so a part of the Christian walk. It absolutely is. It's you know something that we do deal with on a fairly common basis, a regular basis. And so there's a couple pointers that we need to remember when talking about un- unanswered prayers. Number one, it's not a complete failure. The bottom doesn't just fall out. There is triumph in unanswered play- prayers. Uh, oftentimes, prayers are rejected for a reason. Um, unanswered prayer can actually help us. Sometimes we call that hindsight is twenty twenty. We say, oh man, I'm so glad God didn't allow that to happen in my life because had it happened in my life when I asked for it, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble right now. And so God could be answering like a bigger prayer in the background by rejecting our prayer. And let me give you a prime for instance. I had expressed to a close friend of mine at church who was very high ranking in, in his organization that I was interested in a management position at one of his stores, one of the stores in, in, in the company. And so I expressed that interest to my friend. He then set up an interview with one of the district managers, which went very well, and I uh, expressed that, in my opinion, it went well, expressed that to my friend. And then part two of the interview came up, which is where I went into the organization and was in the day-to-day operations of that organization getting a broad view picture of what each department does and then what I would be doing as the manager. And I felt that went very well. In fact, it went so well that my friend told me, hey, Mike, we can't wait to bring you on board. I talked with the district manager who talked with the uh, location you went to, and everything's lining up great. And (laughs) I'm excited. My wife's excited. Out of nowhere, I get an email that says, Sorry, Mike, you did not receive this job. It didn't even say that they hired another person. And I remember that. But it said I didn't get the job. So I went up to my friend at church and I said, Listen, my wife and I have prayed about this. We ask that God's will be done, and it has been. So we are comfortable, we're at peace, and we're thankful for the opportunity we had. Now, of course, my friend was a little upset. He was a little frustrated. And I said, Listen, please, don't stick your neck out. Don't force the situation. I said, this is where it's at and there's a reason for it. Well, my friend ended up actually moving and going to another church location. But interestingly enough, about six months later, I get a phone call from him, specifically about the job. And he said, hey, Mike, I got to let you know, they ended up closing down that store location just this week and I said man am I glad that God 
did not answer the prayer the way I might have thought I wanted it to go at the moment. And it just, it helps me to realize, yes, there's triumphant unanswered prayers. Prayers are rejected for a reason. God could be working on something bigger in the background. And seasons, they pass. Seasons, they come and they go. They come and they go. And I remember when I was, not even all that long ago, when I was in a situation I didn't really want to be in, I would pray. I'd be like, Lord, bail me out of here. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. It's not going well. Bail me out. Take me to a new new destination. And I kind of learned, how how's that really helping? I mean, yeah, it takes me out of the situation, but I didn't really get the testimony out of it, which would then give God the glory due to the victory that I had in a time of difficulty. So now what I've noticed is, is when I'm in a season that I don't want to be in, the first thing I do is I praise God in the hallway until another door opens. I say, God, what do I need to learn? What are you trying to tell me in this time that is less than what I want? And I've noticed too that you know, patience equals faith. You know, Romans chapter 5, verse 3b through 4 says, We know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. Or in three words, patience equals faith. <laughs> uh, when we go through difficult times, we, we have perseverance. And that perseverance builds character. What is character? It's that interesting stuff that we have the opportunity to talk to other believers about, other non-Jesus followers. And when we're talking to non-Jesus followers, it, it can be a little bit difficult because, you know, let's be honest, engaging a non-believer, there, there's some rules involved in that. There's some guidelines to that. We're going to talk about that here in a minute because it's it's so important that we, we go out there and we do the Great Commission and not sequentially, but universally, that we're you know, we're ready at all times to tell somebody why we believe what we believe. In fact, that's that's the number one or the first obligation to starting a conversation with a non-Jesus follower. So we're not just talking about folks, you know, maybe, you know, folks who are like atheists or agnostics. We're talking about like humanists, secularists, materialists, determinists, Hindus, Muslims, um, Buddhists, people who have fallen away from the faith, you know, when we're talking to or engaging with non-believers, the, the first step to that, of course, is knowing what you believe. Second uh, Timothy 3.15, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. So this is Paul writing this, Second Timothy, and according to Paul, a Christian is going to grow in their faith one way, first and foremost, by knowing the Holy Scriptures. So we need to know what we believe. So the questions to you are, you know, how is your devotional life? What are some practices you've found to be helpful in studying the Bible? And as you're, as you're improving in those every day, ask yourself, how else can I grow? Where can I press in so that the Lord can press back into me? That could be a Bible study that could look like uh, you teaching a class because it gives you the obligation. It's part of the fivefold ministry is to be a teacher. Um, if that gift is 
on your in your life and that calling is in your heart that's a great way to know more about what you believe and why you believe what you believe and and growing and um you know growing your faith by learning the holy scriptures number two when we're talking to non-believers non-jesus followers we have to know our audience essentially it breaks down into two groups one is going to be analytical based and in this day and age that seems to be a shrinking base there there's the analytical base the, the people that just want data factual information you know is the bible reliable is you know how can we know that jesus's resurrection is true um, data data based and then the larger category in, in today's world, in today's you know pop culture, would be emotional based. So why does God let evil happen? Why does suffering happen? So we have to we have to know our audience, and we have to be prepared. And it can be difficult. It can, but you know Acts chapter seventeen is the number one example of Paul knowing his audience. In, in verse twenty two of chapter seventeen, Paul it goes like this: Paul stood up in the meeting of the group and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For I have walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is why, this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So then Paul goes on to tell Athens about the Lord of heaven and earth through the, the framework which the audience was prepared to hear that message. So it's, it's important to, of course, know why you believe what you believe, to know your audience, and lastly, your tonality. That's possibly the most important thing, by the way, is your tonality. I've said this so many times, give me if you've heard it before, but you may very well be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. In fact, it was some years ago now, but at one point in time, I was having a discussion with an individual I had gone to high school with. Now, I didn't really know the individual during our high school years almost at all. I knew who he was as a classmate by name, uh, but somebody I'd never engaged in conversation with until years after high school. And the, the conversations to a degree became pretty heated and at one point in a private message it was over Facebook at one point in a private message that classmate of mine said to me man I have been nothing short of unbearable with you I, I've, I've insulted you I've been disrespectful and yet you don't get angry you haven't you know struck back you haven't you know whatever rip my head off however he worded it and I said it's just my worldview that's my worldview it's it's I revere Christ as Lord and I'm not here to argue to win the day I'm here to discuss with you to win your soul and that's that's my my ultimate goal is that you hear the gospel message in a way that is honoring to God because that's the most we can do folks when we're engaging with conversation, the most we can ask for is that they've received the gospel message. That's the key. You can't you can't make anybody believe. And the, the sooner you learn that, the better. And I'm sure we all know that deep down. 
But there's some rules, you know, again, to engagement. So one of the things with tonality is talked about in 1 Peter. So it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, where we read, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep in a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So this is Peter writing this, of course, 1 Peter, right? Chapter 3. But why do you think Peter emphasized gentleness and respect? Well, I mean, I think it's because you can't fake it. Gentleness and respect, in one word, comes out to humility. That's, that's the one word. And you, you can't fake humility. You can fake wealth. You can fake patience. You can fake respectfulness. There's a lot of things you can fake in this world. But the second you fake humility, the bottom falls out. Because as soon as you start bragging about how humble you are, the snake begins to eat its own tail. And, and it's important to be humble, too, because like in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it goes like this. God made the supplies, so God gets the credit. You got saved. You're a Jesus follower. God made the supplies for that to happen. I got saved. I'm a Jesus follower. So if someone who I engage in conversation with uh, comes along and, and, I, and I brag about you know, how awesome I am, and, and man, I, I, I destroyed their arguments. I took them apart piece by piece. Number one, that's totally un, unhumble. It's not gentleness. It's not respect. And, and number two, I, I argued to win the day. And the problem with winning the day is it lasts a day. We're talking about eternity. We are called, we are commissioned to talk to and spread the good news about Jesus Christ, the good news gospel, to all the corners and all the ends of the earth. That's our job. And we need to do that in a humble way, the one thing we can't fake. Uh, and then lastly, and I'm going to end on this before we get to our resource for the week, is you need to ask questions. There's an old saying out there, make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. It's so hard for me sometimes, not sometimes, it's so hard for me to see from time to time when another member of the church brings a friend. And then that friend, say, comes to church several weeks with the person that brought them, and then maybe five weeks, six weeks, seventh week, they come by themselves and the person who originally brought them couldn't make it. And no one else seems to speak to that new person. And that, that just kills me. Um, I feel like it's, it's just so important to, to be out there, to connect with other people, and to make sure that we are... Um, really involved and really growing as a community, as a group. Again, we've been saved by grace, so it's only appropriate that we then extend that grace to other people. Okay, 
So we're going to end on this. Ask questions. Make sure you're asking questions all the time. Um, when you're when you're engaging with somebody who's a non-believer, they're going to be able to tell the difference between someone who genuinely cares for them or somebody who who just just doesn't care. You know, it's it's very obvious. So be a friend. Bring a friend to Christ. Um, so Mark chapter ten, verse seventeen through twenty-one. The rich man asks, "Good teacher, how do I get to heaven?" So Jesus replies with a series of questions, right? So Jesus says, you call me good. There's none good but God. If you're calling me good, then you're calling me God. If you're calling me God, then are you going to listen to what I say? Question. Uh, If you're not going to listen to what I'm going to say, then where do you get good from? And the rich man leaves sad. So asking questions is is where it's at. you have to be interested in what somebody's saying. It's not just about what you're going to say. Because if you're genuinely seeking out somebody's eternal salvation, you, you're going to have to hear out where they stand right now. You're going to have to know your audience. You're going to have to hear what they have to say. And there's a, there's a couple good ways to do that. There's a couple good ways to ask questions and learn what that person, where that person stands and what they believe, and then what they're going to need from you to help connect the head to the heart to where the heart can make that that decision to give itself permission to let down some of those walls. Because we all know Jesus is knocking at the door of every heart, but he's way too polite to just kick it in. So ask them for details. When you're asking these questions, again, Listen to them. Ask for details. Say things like, go on. Tell me more. When you don't understand something, say, how did you come to that conclusion? Or why did you say that? Why why is that important for me to know? You could ask things as well like, what are your reasons for believing that? Or what are your reasons for saying that? Or what are your reasons for that position? You can say, describe it to me if they say something vague. And if something piques your interest, uh, say, I'm curious about that. I want to learn more about that. Um, Maybe it's something you haven't heard before. It's perfectly okay to have open dialogue and learn more about other worldviews so that you are more capable of engaging on a deeper level um, and have the wisdom to to be able to do that. So here we come to the end of the, the program. And the one resource I want to talk to you about this week and again I said at the beginning it's time limited so give me a little grace if you're outside of that window but still check out the resource regardless it is a book called The Pilgrim's Progress and it's by John Bunyan it was written about 400 years ago and is regarded as one of the most significant works of English literature probably ever and it's been translated since it's beginning in over 200 languages and one fascinating fact about this book is it's never been out of print so that's uh that's the summary of it and the cool part is if you are a lifeway christian book shopper if you're a life if you shop at lifeway christian stores lifeway christian stores for all of its members is giving away a free copy of that book this Saturday coming up here. So um, if you're not a member of Lifeway Christian Bookstores, I highly encourage you to become one. 
I think it'll add a lot of value to your life just because it is a, a fantastic resource center. And uh, if you're listening to this and it's too late and you get to Lifeway Christian Bookstores and they tell you, hey, we don't have that promotion going on this Saturday, that was uh, you know previously, go ahead and check the book out anyway. The Pilgrim's Progress, fantastic resource from Paul Bunyan and absolutely uh, elegant piece of work. For now, we're out of time. God bless. Thank you for listening to Christian Conversations.